0: everyone, and welcome to Chowhound's Table Talk podcast, where we chat with some of the most influential names in the food space. I'm your host, Hannah Ospring. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Table Talk, our very first episode. Today, we're joined by Benjamina Ebuehi, a London-based food stylist, cookbook author, and can I say social entrepreneur? Yeah, we can go for that. You may recognize her as a former contestant, quarter-finalist to be precise, of the seventh season of The Great British Bake Off. Let me say it's one of the best shows ever. (laughs) Since the show's finale, Benjamina has been keeping herself busy working on many projects. Chief among them is a beautiful new cookbook called The New Way to Cake, which came out recently. She also participates in a number of social-minded ventures, including Luminary Bakery, an organization that helps arm women with baking skills to help them get employed and back on their feet, as well as The Sister Table, a project she started with her real-life sister. <laughs> so there's so much to talk about today, so let me start by welcoming Benjamina to our program. Welcome, Benjamina, to Chowhound and to New York. Yay, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. really excited to be here. Yes, Congratulations again on this beautiful book. It really showcases your obvious talent as a baker, but your aesthetic. Thank you. Um, I'm so drawn to the elegance and kind of the quiet way this Mm. book feels. Um, It feels very sophisticated and laid back, at the same time approachable and very full-flavored. Yeah,
1: I think that's exactly (laughs) what
0: we were going for. So you've got it like spot on. Oh my gosh, I should get it (laughs) to (laughs) book. That is exactly
1: what I wanted. Like cakes that were different, that were new, that were exciting, using lots of new ingredients and flavours, but still not, you know, super technical and super difficult, but things that a baker could look at and say, oh, I could make that. I've never thought of putting those things together, but I can do that. Um, Yeah, and with the styling as well, just wanting to keep the focus on the cakes and keep it really minimal, really
0: stripped back. So yeah, it's exactly what we were going for. It's so it's so elegant and beautiful. And can you talk to me a little bit about the flavor profile of, of the bakes, if you can categorize them in any way?
1: Mm, um, so the book is actually split into flavor chapters. Um, so we've got chocolate, spice, fruit, citrus, nuts and caramel, and floral. And that's kind of the way that I, when I'm thinking about what I want to bake or what I'm in the mood for, I think yeah, what do I, what do I fancy? Do I want something rich and chocolatey? Do I want something sharp and citrusy or, you know, really warm and spicy? And so that's why I kind of went for that um, way of categorizing them. So it's just, yeah, lots of, I think just different ingredients that people are familiar with, but perhaps not in cakes. So for instance, using spices like sumac in some of the cakes, um, lots of tahini in there, um, like fresh herbs like sage and rosemary that you might not instinctively draw to to use in baking but actually work really really well
0: so one thing I noticed about your season um the judges first of all always a- applauded your techniques but also your flavors they were you know always at the front and center it has to taste good and not just exactly. look good, right <laughs> um Paul if he has taught us anything has taught us that so um can we step back a bit and talk about the foods that you grew up with? I know you come from a Nigerian family. Mm. Lots of beautiful, full flavors and spices. I, I would love to hear more about your flavor palettes growing mm. up. Yeah. So, like you say, growing up in a Nigerian household, eating a lot
1: of food that was um really bold, really vibrant and full flavors and kind of not holding back in any way. And I think that's over time has what has influenced the way that I bake and thinking it's um we often think of like savory food or your main course as having the most flavor and being the most kind of complex but actually we can bring that same vibrancy to desserts as well um and bringing in more layers and more spices and more just herbs as well I think is a really cool um thing to incorporate into baking so it definitely had a massive influence on um, the flavors that I use, and just I think my palate is just used to bold, like strong flavors, um, and so I think that's how I wanted to incorporate that in in my baking as well.
0: I love that. So move beyond vanilla extract. Yeah, vanilla is great. We
1: love <laughs> vanilla. You know, it's got its place, but we there is so much more that we can do with our cakes, and just like a regular vanilla or a regular chocolate or a regular I don't know red velvet. There's so much more to
0: explore. Sweets is not traditionally a part of the Nigerian cuisine. No. So tell me about growing up in with the English baking-heavy influence, you know, in your Nigerian culture and how you kind of married the two to uh, get your interest started in baking. Mm, so I think I've always had a sweet tooth, I would say.
1: Um, and so, yeah, not having many desserts at home. Like my mum cooked like loads, great cook, like loved her food, but wouldn't do sweet stuff. She wouldn't bake like at all, just not her area, which was fine. Um, But yeah, having a sweet tooth, like I wanted like dessert after a meal, like we'd have it at school lunches. You always have dessert after your school lunch. Um, Yeah. And then just kind of wanted to be able to do that for myself. And so she bought me some kids cookbooks, which was really cool. And I just began to work my way through those. And that's when my interest really Um, I'd say honed in on the baking side of it. So I still love cooking, but um, the baking was what really grabbed me. And as I got older, um, just practiced loads and loads. And that's when I kind of um, started following lots of blogs and just being inspired from other people of colour who were doing really cool things that were drawing inspirations from their backgrounds and seeing the cool things they were doing and kind of inspired me to, to do similar things as well.
0: You're touching upon so many things that I can't wait to delve in um, about further. Tell me about little Benjamina in the kitchen and what kind of student were you and what kind of, you know, baker are you? I would love to know.
1: Um, Well, my mom would say a very messy one, first of all. (laughs) I am not a tidy baker at all. I I still to this day, I'm a very, very messy baker. But um, I was always quite independent. So I was very much had to look at the recipe, see what I need and just try and get on with it myself. Obviously, sometimes it worked, sometimes it was an absolute failure, but I was very much um, wanted to just get on with it myself and read the recipe, follow the instructions and hope for the best at the end um, of, of what came out of the oven. So yeah, quite independent, very, very messy, but also quite um, curious, I would say, of how I could make it my own. Um, I think I'd always make a recipe once, like exactly following the recipe, not changing anything and then trying it and see what I thought of it and thinking, OK, how can we jazz this up a little bit? What can we add in? Can we add a little bit more cinnamon or a bit more, I don't know, a different type of sugar a brown sugar and see what that would kind of do. So I was a little bit, um, yeah, experimental, you could say.
0: And you had willing participants in, and tasters in your family. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> my sister, my mom. I mean, they were happy to eat anything. So they were like, they were very happy to try everything that I made. The good and the not so good.
0: Oh. Let's talk about your sister for a second. I believe you're twin. Yes, we are twins. Unidentical. So we, we don't,
1: she could be sitting right here and you wouldn't know that we were, we were twins. Bonita. Yes, Bonita.
0: Uh, how is your relationship as both a sister and now business partner? Um, perhaps it's a good time to talk about the sister table mm-hmm. and how that's come about.
1: Yeah, I think we are, we're twins, but we're quite, we're quite opposite in a lot of ways, which when we're working together does balance out quite well. I'm a lot more go with the flow, see how we kind of just let it let it happen and she's a lot more um structured and she'll do the lists and she'll do the google spreadsheets and all of that operational it, yes <laughs> she makes sure that she makes sure that i get things done on time um so it does balance out quite well in that respect And um, but working together has been really really fun um the sister table is um a series of brunch clubs that we host in london every other month for about 30 women so it's quite an intimate um group of women um who don't know each other all strangers they kind of you most women kind of come on their own and i do a three course brunch and it's just a time of like coming together one long table it's really well styled lots of flowers and really good locations and a time for women to kind of just meet other women um and have a good afternoon over food and that um aspect of building community through food and being able to share food with others and build relationships and just come and have a good afternoon with us.
0: That's amazing. And are these largely women of colour in the London area? Majority. I think we do get a good mix of women, which which we're quite happy about, but definitely majority
1: women of colour, which is really encouraging. Um, like I have been to lots of supper clubs and these kind of things in London all the time. And a lot of the time you are the only person, only woman of colour, person of colour there. Um, and so it's been really encouraging for us to be able to do something. And I suppose other women of color feeling that they're quite welcome there and not going to feel like the odd one out or is this something that's for me? Um, But yeah, you are welcome to come and yeah, sit with us at the table.
0: That's amazing. I want to take a minute to recognize the fact that it's only been a few years since your appearance on the show Mm. and you've already started to use your platform for good. I think also as a person and woman of color myself, and in the food industry, it can be so, um, you know, I won't say one-dimensional, but you often see a traditional uh, format for food media. And um, it's nice to see people breaking away mm-hmm. or just exposing different parts of themselves, sharing and just, uh, you know, allowing others to share their experiences and cultures and palates as mm-hmm. well. So I love hearing that. And I know London right. has such a vibrant… Food scene, such a mix. Like all, you can find any food
1: from any country <laughs> in yes. London. It's amazing.
0: Did you grow up in London? Yeah, province? born
1: and bred, South London. Love it, absolutely love it.
0: And did you? Did I read that you uh grew up in a Portuguese neighborhood or near yeah, some so great I, ethnic uh,
1: mm, Portuguese markets? Yeah, so in I was in an area of South London called Vauxhall, and that's known for its largely Portuguese community which yeah so they had lots of Portuguese cafes and little restaurants which was really cool but then equally you know you could travel um 15 minutes down to somewhere called Brixton and that's loads of Caribbeans over there so grape, jerk chicken, all that kind of stuff so really easy to get to different parts of London where it would be completely different and so many cultures and so many influences and flavors and ingredients to just explore which is amazing.
0: And do you feel that London's food scene now is uh, a little more well-represented in that sense to depict all of the wonderful cultures that are represented in the city? I think so. I think, like, I,
1: I love that I can, you know, there might be a pop-up one week and it's from, um, there was a Persian pop-up and I'd never had Persian food before and I love that I can oh. just be able to, to try food from anywhere around the world. Um, I think it's still a way to go in terms of those communities having their own spaces or permanent spaces. I think that's still really difficult for them. Um, so, which I think is why pop-ups are so, and supper clubs are so popular because it's just such a lower, um, it's a lot lower cost to kind of set up and let people try your oh, yeah. food. Um, so I think there's a way to go in those communities having their own permanent spaces on like the high street, but it's good that they're getting more visible now, I'd say.
0: And have you been asked to, uh, run a supper club or be a a, a cook or a baker in that sense?
1: Oh, I think I, li- I like the brunch clubs because they feel a little less formal and they're a lot more relaxed um, than I'd say like a dinner, which just is a, it's very intense. It's a little <laughs> so, more intense with the timing. Yes, especially. brunch feels a lot more relaxed. So I like that kind of, I like that format quite well.
0: Amazing. Uh, can we talk about your participation with, Luminary Bakery. Yeah.
1: Yes. They are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, so essentially they're a social enterprise bakery, um, based in North London. And, um, yeah. So they run courses for disadvantaged women, whether that's, um, women socially disadvantaged or economically disadvantaged. And they come on a six month course and they learn how to bake absolutely everything from scratch, right, from cakes breads and pastries and desserts, the whole shebang. And um, yeah, they also gain employability skills and get counseling and mentoring to get them back into um, back into the community, back into the workforce and just to get them back on their feet. And yeah, they're just empowered through baking,
0: which That's is incredible. amazing. We have a similar organization called Hot Bread Kitchen Ooh. here in New York. And uh, it's another fantastic enterprise that really helps Specifically, women mm. um, have gain these very employable skills, but obviously, the, what they take away is much more than just how to bake bread. Exactly, exactly. It's that is just I think the tool to do that,
1: and it's such a practical skill. It's it's fantastic to have, and there's so much work that you can get with those skills. But it is it's a confidence that comes with it. It's the the knowledge that oh, I've I can create something. Like I've been able to make this bread from just a bit of flour and water and I've made something edible that I can eat that I can share with my family um that's really cool and just yeah to be able to empower them through baking is yeah super rewarding
0: how amazing and did I see Duchess of Sussex yes. come through not long ago we are obsessed a royal, with royals we had here a royal visitor, <laughs> yeah. which
1: was amazing so Megan um the Duchess I should say Megan, um, first name <laughs> base is here. um absolutely loves what Luminary does wow. and you know which makes a lot of sense but um yeah so she um featured them in her vogue's um her vogue column that she had about forces for change and then um, they made her birthday cake which was again that's incredible incredible such a massive opportunity and they've recently opened um, a second cafe in camden so she came down to do the official opening for that which was just Absolutely amazing. I was like, I'm in the same room as
0: <laughs> the Duchess. I mean, crazy. Uh, for some reason, Americans are royal watchers, probably a bigger fandom here. Probably. <laughs> probably. But I, I think, especially because she is American, American. we're mm-hmm. especially keen on keeping our eye yeah. on her goings on. But <laughs> that's fantastic. No, that was so cool. Let's talk a little bit about just this ability to create something tangible. I know your background. What you studied in school really mm. has nothing to do with baking at all. <laughs> so tell us about what you studied in school and how, and really how you got to where you are today. Mm. Um, so I did economics at uni, um, which I enjoyed. I
1: at the time I really enjoyed it. It was something that I um, was good at and was able to do. And I think about halfway through, I think I realised I didn't want to go into banking or working in the city. I just didn't think it would have fit my personality very well I think it would have just been torture to work in the city and so I thought okay maybe I'll go into teaching um teaching maths I quite like kids and it just felt a bit more rewarding than being a banker um yeah so I was working in a school before I applied whilst I was applying for Bake Off um
0: and let's say yeah. you didn't tell anyone about <laughs> no. your application.
1: I did not. I kept it completely under wraps. I thought if 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 they don't let me on, then nobody is none the wiser and we can just keep going with life. Um, so I didn't tell any, absolutely anyone, kept it to myself. Only until I got further along in the process, I thought, okay, I should actually tell someone. As you're <laughs>
0: buying up all the eggs and butter in yeah. your neighborhood. <laughs> I'm like,
1: okay, probably, yeah, I should let a few people know that this is happening,
0: which is... Very, very surreal. Very surreal. How was it during that time? And how much were you able to share with your friends and family and and not? Mm,
1: it was it was very intense. I think
0: technically we were only supposed to tell like the people that
1: you live, like your immediate family or whoever you live with, okay. because it would have been very weird to just be <laughs> making like 20 cakes a day and be like, what are you doing? So you could tell who you, you were living with and like one close friend, um, which I did tell Um but yeah, it was, it was a really intense time of practicing nonstop and you'd go to work and then when you're at work, all you're thinking about is I need to get eggs, I need to get butter, I need to do this, I need to do that. And then you get home and you're baking through the night and then you got work the next day. So it was just that constant cycle of, and then just thinking of ideas as well and trying to be super creative and try new things and really push the boat out because it's such a big deal. And then also trying to stay true to your style and what you like to do and not try and play to what you think the judges are going to like. So just a lot of elements to consider. It was a really intense,
0: challenging time. Well, we know Paul doesn't like matcha,
1: <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so it tastes like grass, which
0: <laughs> I, I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> How I was matcha. it
0: working with Mary? I mean, and she, she was probably, that might have been her last or nearly yeah, last Yeah, that's season. her last one. I mean, what an incredible group you had to learn from. Yeah, I mean, Mary, yeah, she was fantastic. Like just
1: like everyone's grandmother kind of thing. Just really lovely, really supportive and just encouraging. And if she saw you were a little bit, you know, down, she'd be like, it's fine. Like, this is just cake. You won't die. You'll be all right. Like, don't, you know, let it take over your whole life. Um, so that was really helpful. And Paul as well. Yeah, we learned so much. I learned so much in that tent.
0: And how much goes on off camera? Are they, you know, sharing their techniques to do such and such in a way? Not
1: so much. Yeah. So Mary, Mary and Paul, once they'd done their judging, it was very much, okay, no, like fraternizing with the bakers. And I think that's just also just to help with bias and just to not, sure. yeah, you know, get too comfortable with us. But um, we spent a lot of time together, the bakers, oh, in the yeah. green room, Many, many hours waiting, you know, for the next core times. We had such a good time in that green room. We had board games. We did some karaoke. Just a time. And I think it was a really good bonding time for all of us in the
0: same boat. I loved your friendship with Selassie. Oh yeah. Then and now. Yeah. I feel yeah. like he's such a great older brother type yes, figure. Yes, we still go, and on. he's one. Of, he's like
1: that annoying older brother. It's <laughs> very much, very, very annoying. <laughs> but you still gotta love him, and he, yeah, he's he's got good advice, which is really helpful.
0: And are you still close with the rest of the cast?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. we still have our little WhatsApp group, which we still check in on everyone time to time, see what everyone's up to, and just to try and support like what everyone's doing so if someone's got an event we'll try and go down and someone's you know got a book we'll all try and promote it so it's yeah, it's a good supportive group it doesn't feel like we're like still in competition with one another it's very much we're all so different I and mean, we all have our own things that we're passionate about and we're good at um that we're not we're not in competition with one another it's very much a supportive group which is great
0: i think that's the beauty of the bake-off mm. uh, it's such a congenial and supportive group and not snarky or outwardly yeah. competitive <laughs> like at all I feel sabotage like, exactly exactly I think you know you see often people going over to another contestant's station and helping to clean up mm. or you know just lend a hand fair.
1: yeah just kind I think it's just we're all there because we like to bake and I think that's the main thing like there's no prize at the end of it there's, you get a cake stand if you win there's no <laughs> monetary Truly. prize so it's just we all really like baking. It's a fun hobby. And so to be able to do that with other people who are just as passionate about it as you are, it's is fun. So you just you ask some of the tips and oh, how did you do that?
0: That was such a good idea. I've never done it that way before. And just sharing knowledge. So it's amazing. So we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back with Benjamina in just a second. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Table Talk. I'm joined by Benjamina Abuehi, uh London-based Uh, baker, food stylist, cookbook author, and uh, social activist. She's joining us today uh, to talk about her new book, Among Other Things. So welcome back. Thank you. Um, Let's focus again on this beautiful new book that you have, The New Mm -hmm. Way to Cake. Um, I love the tagline of your book, which is simple recipes with exceptional flavor. Uh, How – can you tell us about the process by which you developed these recipes? How did you come up with these 60 great cakes? Mm. Oh,
1: well, cake cakes are like my first love. I love cakes. That's my kind of go-to if I've just got a free afternoon and I want to just bake something, I'll probably do a cake. Um, and so in coming up with the book, it was very much, the biggest question was what do I want to eat? What would I want to bake if I picked up a book? and I was looking for some cakes that were different, what would I enjoy most? And that is kind of what led a lot of the books in here, Uh, books in here, cakes (laughs) in the book. Um, So yeah, I kind of, I just started jotting down my favorite flavors on paper and just what, what flavors do I love? What do I enjoy eating? So I was writing down spices and my favorite fruits that I like in cake and what I like to eat with chocolate and my favorite herbs and just threw them all down on paper. And then that, um, yeah. And then from there, I just started to develop each one, <laughs> one by one into the 60 that we've got in here.
0: How long did that take you? Because I'm sure you had a hand in every part of the book, mm. the look, the feel, the taste.
1: Yeah, it was a process. It was, I'd say it's been give or take nearly a year, I suppose, from very beginning till this point, it's been pretty much a year. Um, but the writing stage that was that was intense not as glamour I would say it's yeah not as glamorous as it, you know people can make it out to look just going to a coffee shop with your laptop and writing my book you know and take an Instagram picture complete opposite just <laughs> <laughs> complete opposite what was that? Home, what was what rea- was Instagram, home, versus reality for yeah, you? Instagram versus reality yeah Instagram versus <laughs> reality Instagram is in a coffee shop yes. your laptop's open you've got a nice pen beautiful new notebook fresh some coffee on the side you know a little plant hanging in Reality was.
0: <laughs> like,
1: you're in your PJs still at like 4 pm. you're in the kitchen, your hair's a mess, you probably haven't showered yet. you've baked like four cakes, none of them have worked. You've had a cry, you've come back, regroup, let's do that again. and that kind of cycle of, yeah, just testing and testing and testing. and then yeah, some days it's fantastic and you've got everything you do, you do is an absolute win. and some days everything is just you want to throw it in the bin and it's just very stressful. And then actually writing it and doing, so I did the conversions as well because in the UK oh, we use grams right. for everything. Um, but obviously in the US it's um, common to use cups. So doing the conversions for that again was also another stressful process. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's Instagram versus reality.
0: But look at this beautiful baby that uh, emerged We got from there, that we time. got there in we the got end. There. <laughs> we got there in the end. And may I just say, I really do enjoy the head notes as well. Thank um, you. I didn't know, for example, that Guinness was so popular in Nigeria. Yes. Like, we love Guinness. How did,
1: like, why? We love it. I actually don't <laughs> know why, but like, it's just a great drink. People love Guinness in Nigeria. It's oh, a big deal. It's
0: so fascinating. So it truly is a, a little window into your life and your culture mm. beyond these beautiful and, you know, delicious sounding bakes. Like, of, of course, you have a flowerless chocolate of cake. Of course. But there's a, you know, a hint of chilies to keep things interesting. Uh, And it's so craggy and beautiful Mm, and enticing. And I notice you also have a lot of what we call here naked cakes. Is that what you call them? Yeah, like semi-naked or yeah, semi-naked naked naked cakes. And, And what is that? If For our listeners who aren't so familiar.
1: <laughs> so like semi cakes are, I suppose it's essentially like the crumb coat of a cake. So you've, if you're going to layer a cake, you've put that first layer of buttercream around the edges just to hold in all the crumbs and seal it off. And with a semi cake, you might put one more really thin layer so you can still see that cake poking through and it's just got a thin layer of frosting. Um, and I love those cakes because they're actually just easy and you don't have to, scrape and to try again and scrape and it's not smooth and it's got that rustic effortless I didn't really try you know but it's so beautiful (laughs) natural look and yeah for a rig for like a home baker it's it's a lot I think a lot more achievable than getting those perfect straight edges and the sharp corners which can be really headache inducing
0: (laughs) you really come at it through fresh set of eyes so it's not sprinkles it's white or toasted sesame seeds mm. and I love how you really push people to think about cakes differently through that as you mentioned earlier savory lens or mm. perhaps not savory but more spice and flavorful yeah, and not point just pure sugar and exactly. um, yeah there's some a lot of
1: cakes the first thing you taste is just sugar and everything else is lost and you don't get much else but I think yeah there are a few cakes in here that I would say are bordering savory I think the the golden turmeric one is not a sweet cake at all it's just got a little bit of honey to sweeten it and something that you might have for breakfast and it's yeah or like a good brunch option um so yeah playing with just sugar not as the first thing that you taste Mm. but as a way to just enhance enhance the cake
0: even plantains versus bananas
1: plantains because we eat a lot of plantains love it it's It's great um but yeah similar properties to banana so you know it makes makes sense why would you not use it in in baking um yeah and I love the flavor and they're a lot bigger as well so goes a lot further
0: (laughs) oh practical as well yes (laughs) so what would you say is your favorite recipe from this book
1: oh that is a difficult one and I think because when people ask that like it changes all the time depending on what season we're in or just depending on what yeah, usually the season kind of takes what I'm in the mood for. So now it's quite it's quite cold. Awesome end of autumn approaching winter, so I'm probably feeling like caramelly spices, mm, the warm kind of cake warmth. So,
0: oh, that's a hard one. What am I loving? Or what would what, what should we bake for the holidays? Which Ooh. is a little more uh, uh, specific,
1: like a little more festive. I do really like. The plum and black pepper cake, I do enjoy. Which people hear and they're like, what, why is there pepper in a cake? That's so weird. But it's- It makes sense. It makes sense. And it's not, in the same way that you would put like chili in a cake or, you know, chocolate chili and there is that kind of heat. It's similar with the black pepper um, and the plums are quite sweet and you've got the nutty almonds and it's a really soft, almost squidgy sponge and the pepper just adds a bit of like unexpected, ooh, Oh, I like that. That's just that warmth that you get with every bite. So that's a nice one for the holidays as well.
0: Adding it to the list. And girl, you know, I love a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> I love a sponge and I love a coffee cake. And I noticed mm, your
1: Hawaii coffee, coffee cake. cake. Oh my goodness. That's another one that's actually wait. quite good for the holiday. Yeah, spice, just a lot of spice in that one. Um, and again, you got that, you know, like people are familiar with coffee cake. Sure. And it's just, oh, actually, how can we make this a bit more interesting? Let's put in some hawaii, which is like um, a Middle Eastern spice blend um, of ginger and cardamom and a bit of uh, nutmeg and cinnamon. And it just really lifts it and which I really enjoy. I might have to make it this
0: weekend. It it is the perfect cake to also put out on the counter if you have guests coming through.
1: Mm, It's quite an easy one. And the decoration isn't really faffy. I mean, none of the decorations in here, I think, are particularly, uh, you know, faffy. But it's just uh, mascarpone, Uh, coffee frosting on top you can sweep it on any which way you like and it's just ready to go amazing
0: and is there one recipe you would uh, recommend to a beginner baker
1: Mm, that's a good one I think for beginner bakers I would tend to recommend like one bowl cakes Mm. just because if you don't have equipment or you've just not got you know stand mixer it can be a bit trying to cream butter and sugar by hand is a real task and it's a lot of manual labour So a cake that you can do in one bowl. Um, So maybe either the carrot cake, the masala chai carrot cake. And people hear carrot cake and think, oh, it's really difficult. And it's like, it's two layers, but it's just all in one bowl. Give it a mix and then put it in your tins. And it's quite, and it's impressive one. Um, and it looks as if you've put in a lot more effort than you probably have. That's the secret too. being a great host. <laughs> <laughs> a, you know, And it's, yeah, again, lots of spices. You've got a bit of the tea in there and that chai flavor. Oh, that um, so really impressive again. But actually it's just all in one bowl. Mix it up, put it in the oven, mix up some cream cheese. And yeah, it's a good one.
0: Oh, sounds delicious. We're going to take a quick break right here before we ask Benjamina about her favorite tools and baking accessories, so stay with us. Welcome back to Table Talk. We're here with Benjamina Ebwehi talking about her new book, The New Way to Cake. And we were just talking about the beautiful recipes and the flavor and the thoughtfulness uh, she incorporated into each and every one of her recipes. Um, but now I'd like to ask a bit about the tools that you like to use to bring these very simple ingredients to life. What were, what are maybe three to five tools that you would recommend everyone to have? Well, first one without a
1: doubt has to be a scale. I and did, you wrote that in I your And I wrote book. that because it's so important.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I cannot stress a scale is just, I think, the one tool, if you want to start taking up baking or you want to improve your baking and you don't have a scale already, that is what you need to buy. And you can get really inexpensive ones. It doesn't have to be, you know, super fancy. Just a nice, cheap digital scale that will give you the same result every single time. Um, I think baking is, it's about accuracy. And if you want to get the same result every time and, you know, you're wondering why it's a bit dry or it's a bit too moist and you've not used a scale, go and get a scale. It will change your life. <laughs> and change your bakes. It will change your life and it will improve your bakes. And yeah, just a lot more consistent with your bakes if you have a scale. So that is important. And also, um, so scale and measuring spoons. I think especially new bakers can just reach for a tablespoon in the cupboard or they're just the nearest spoon they've got next to them. And again, that's not as accurate as it could be. So one day it might be, 20 grams the next day it might be you know 30 grams if you've heaped it mm. but having measuring spoons again just gives you that consistency every single time especially for ingredients like baking powder and baking soda you don't want to add too much of that or it's just going to really affect the taste and the texture of your cakes um and what else do i love my offset spatula that's like i love an offset. i spatula. love i have so <laughs> i have too many probably just of different sizes it's a different function. Yeah, I love, I love an offset, bat- an offset spatula. And again, you don't need like 20 like me. You just need one or two, a small one and a big one. And that is, it comes in so handy whether you're just putting some frosting on top of a cake or smoothing the sides or just pushing batter to the sides of the tin when you're filling it. Mm. It's a really handy kind of multi purpose tool that I, yeah, I love. I use it all the time.
0: Inexpensive too. And
1: Inexpensive. You
0: can get it for, you know,
1: like one or two dollars or one or two pounds so it's pretty pretty cheap
0: that's great Mm. I love those uh I love the offset offset spatula so very much I
1: love it my probably my most used
0: (laughs) (laughs) one thing I forgot to ask you about the book um and you had spoken previously about following bloggers kind of earlier in your career Mm. who are the cookbook authors and bloggers and inspiration that you uh looked up to or currently look up to
1: Mm. oh there's a you, I mean, I say this all the time, but like my all-time favorite food, not a blogger, but like cookbook author, food person, has to be Ottolenghi, like obsessed. I mean, who isn't People obsessed? People are
0: obsessed here, so I can only imagine their obsession across the pond. It's, I'm just, yeah, absolutely obsessed. Just the way he uses
1: flavors, the way he just again pushes boundaries and just comes up with really cool combinations of things that I've not tried before um yeah I love have all of his books love everything that he does um so he's one I think earlier on in terms of bloggers was um Molly yeah oh yes love of Molly um yeah I think her recipes again were approachable I felt like I could especially earlier on in my baking career I could look at them and they felt achievable like oh I could I could make that it doesn't seem too hard and yeah, her humor on her blog is really cool. And the fact that she lives on a farm, I thought that was just, she had lots of, um yeah, cool things about her. And she's like half Jewish and Chinese. And just the way that she incorporated that into her recipes was really fun. Um, so she was someone that I followed a lot. And um who else did I love? Oh, yeah, it was a big one. And The Spin Kitchen, of course.
0: Oh, Deb. Classic. The original, <laughs> the
1: original feed blogger. I mean, yeah, yes. a lot of kind Hats of staples. Hats to
0: Deb Perelman for Honestly, paving the way.
1: She re- she really did. She's like the OG. So, you know, I think I learned a lot of like basics from, from Deb.
0: So. And again, two of those three are kind of, I mean, they're very much uh, approachable home cooks. Mm massive following and I think because of that they they just feel very down to earth yeah
1: really personable and oh I can read that and I can do that and it doesn't
0: yeah the ingredients you're using I can get those
1: too and they just break it down in a way that is achievable yeah
0: that's great and do you have any uh new or upcoming cookbooks after this one? I know this mm. one just came
1: out. But... <laughs> I would love to. I mean, I definitely like this is number one, but I definitely do want to do some more. It's just a case of what what, what would I like it to be on? And so, yeah, not wanting to just rush and do another one, but really thinking about what I want to say about something else.
0: Are you much of a savory cook?
1: Mm, I, I do cook a lot at home,
0: but I think...
1: I do I prefer baking. You do. I prefer baking. I feel like I can relax more with baking sure. and I can give myself a project with it over the weekend if I've got a free weekend. Um yeah, I think just I just slightly
0: prefer prefer baking. I was going to ask you for a gel off recipe. Otherwise oh. <laughs> maybe I'll call I can still send you one. Maybe I I'll call your good. mother. <laughs> <laughs> I can still whip up a good
1: a good batch. Wow.
0: Well I I mean I completely see and appreciate baking for being much more than just um, an activity. It's definitely something that you need to carve out some time for Mm. and be uh, organized about to a certain extent. And so weekends make sense. Mm. And it is very therapeutic because you're forced to be so present in all of these steps. Mm. So if we find you at home, on any given weekend day, on a lazy Sunday or a mm. rainy Saturday, what what are you baking?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. What am I baking?
0: Probably a cake. <laughs> well, actually, although
1: breads, I think I like to do breads on weekends where I know I've got like the whole day at home um, because, yeah, bread is a much longer process than say a cake and you've got to let it rise. So I might do, I'd probably do a bread, I love making challah. I love I do like that I like the braiding process and that's really relaxing and kneading it um so probably some breads or like some cinnamon buns Uh for one something you like a yeasted dough I do I do so so. I. (laughs) (laughs) I do so yeah probably a bread or some cinnamon buns or maybe or maybe a cake yeah
0: so tell me about your stay in New York so far. Have you eaten anything special or is there mm. anything on your to eat list that you wanted it's to try? It's been fun. Like there
1: is so much food to eat in New York. I really need to be here for like a month to get through half of my list. But um, I really enjoy, in- oh, actually yesterday I went to um, 4 and 20 Blackbirds. Oh, my for goodness. pie. Because we don't have pie in the UK like you guys ah, have pie. No one, right. pie is not like savory pie. Yeah, like a steak and kidney pie. Oh, chicken the old and school pie, pies. pasty. But like a just a sweet pie, no one's making those like at all. Gap in the market. I know.
0: <laughs> Next time I talk to you, it'll be Benjamin's pie, pie shop. shop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the pie at 420 Blackbirds was so good. Oh. Like incredible. I had the um, I really wanted to try the matcha, but they didn't have that one. So that I tried the Horjicha custard. Oh, wow. And it was so, it was just, I didn't know what to expect. And so I put the first bite in my mouth and I was like, oh my gosh. It was just so silky and light, a lot lighter than I expected and just like perfectly smooth and the crust was thin at the mm. bottom and then the top bit was like really buttery and it was, it was actually, it was fantastic. Amazing.
0: Did you also get a chance to try their classic salted caramel I took apple one, the, um, Ava, who was actually fantastic
1: behind the counter, she um, wrapped one up for me, so I'm going to take it home because I'm going back later <laughs> and I'm going to get home with a cup of tea and yeah but I did try pumpkin pie as well there because I thought oh, yes. I've not really had pumpkin pie before and if I'm going to have it it probably should be from here so let's give it a go and I did like it it wasn't my favorite the texture was a bit okay you, not sure you either hate it or love it yeah and it was it was nice but I'm it, not my not my favorite thing that I've had but I'm happy that I tried it um, but the hojicha koshu was fantastic
0: that sounds amazing mm. Beautiful. Oh yes, bring pies <laughs> over. Yeah, it's just not a thing. And I was like, that is... shocks me because uh there's so many great crusts <laughs> mm. in British baking.
1: Like we love a pasty, we yes. love sausage roll, oh, like savory, roll. savory pastries. But in terms of just like even us, a mince custard pie, pie, I
0: guess mince pie. Yeah, you can elevate it add to, like, a lot more sugar. That's and,
1: true. And, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Give me some ideas. Let's, let's like,
0: get back to that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Benjamin is big that. shop coming at you in 2021. <laughs> love it. What would you say is your ultimate comfort food, sweet and savory?
1: Ooh. My com. Okay. Savory. I absolutely adore... Sunday roast. I don't know if you guys, do you do Sunday
0: roast here? Not really. But like
1: it is a big yes. deal at sun, like at home, Sunday roast. So you either have like roast chicken or roast beef or I like a pork, like a pork belly with the crackling on top. Oh, and you have to have all my the trimming. So like the fluffy roast potatoes, tons of gravy. Yorkshire pudding is mandatory. Um, Your veg, your stuffing if it's Christmas or pigs in blankets if it's Christmas. But that is like comfort. A good Sunday roast is like, I'm happy for the rest of the week if I have a good Sunday roast. So that's my comfort, the savory. The sweet. Oh, it's my comfort? This might sound weird because when I think of comfort food, I think of like really hot and warm and like a big hug. But I love pavlova. Oh. That's one of my like top three puddings ever. I
0: was not expecting that.
1: Top three puddings ever is a pavlova and I like that if i get a really good pavlova so crispy on the outside really like chewy on the inside really good double cream with some van- like really good vanilla beans and then some fresh fruit i'm happy i'm very oh. very, very happy i love pavlova
0: oh and they're pavlova. just so gorgeous and they're so pretty and you can just like
1: throw in any th- mm-hmm. fruit that you've got and it just pile it high and it's got that rustic kind of again effortless i didn't really try
0: and if it cracks you just hide it with cream so it's it's a win-win I love oh, it. I love it. Let's talk about p- these puddings for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, the English term for pudding refers to dessert, not a custard or a pudding as Americans know it.
1: Yeah. So, your puddings are like custard. So, you call a custard a pudding. Yes. Yeah.
0: Or like a chocolate pudding in a, in a cup. In a cup. Or like a budino or something like that. That would be mm. close to a, a pudding. Mm. But, pudding is. It's like dessert. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you'd say, what are we having for pudding? And you'd, yeah, essentially be saying, what are we having for dessert?
0: What other interesting uh, cultural differences did you encounter when you were developing your cookbook?
1: Oh, there was a couple, actually. It just terms like, um. so we call our double cream, we call it double cream, but you guys would call it heavy cream. Yes. Um, and confectioner's sugar, we call icing sugar. And our standard kind of sugar to bake with is called caster sugar. That's right. That's our super fine. That's your super fine. But um I think here it's your kind of go-to sugar is granulated. That's right. That's your So kind is of... what is that called in... So we have we have granulated sugar as well, but okay. our granulated sugar is a bit more coarse. Okay. So your granulated sugar isn't that far off our caster sugar. So yeah, it's just little things like that. Um Wow. And my favorite different. cling fl- film. Cling film. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's like favorite. plastic wrap. Yes. But yeah, cling film. Ah, clings.
0: <laughs> I love it. I know. We're so close, but different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, oh, what kind of food do you enjoy eating at home on any given weeknight after a long day? Mm. Or what would you make for yourself that's relatively quick and easy? Ooh,
1: I do like pasta. Pasta is it like doesn't. a quick, if I've just I'm come home and I'm tired and I just want something really quick and warming, I always got pasta, always got parmesan in the fridge, always have eggs, always have black pepper. So that's a really good Carbonara quick. is
0: happening. There we go. It's <laughs> going to happen. And it's
1: just, you know, 10, 15 minutes, boom, does the job. That's like a quick go-to meal that I would do. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Easy and cheesy. Yep.
0: Do you recall a favorite or first food memory?
1: Mmm. Favorite food memory, I think I tend to remember like the best of something that I've had. So like the best pie that I've had or the best something that I've had and it's usually related to like a trip or a holiday. And I remember one that always sticks with me is like the best tiramisu I had of my entire life. And I love tiramisu. Yeah. That's also like my top three. Yeah. Pavlova, tiramisu are <laughs> pretty much tied. Um, and the best one I ever had was in Pisa in Italy. And it was just this random restaurant that we went to. We we're like, hungry. We need to eat somewhere. Went down a little alley. Oh, that's open. Not expecting anything fantastic, just something to kind of fill you up. And then obviously went for the tiramisu, tiramisu as dessert and was absolutely just oh. like speechless. And I don't even know why it was so good. It was, it was a bit more custody than I think the ones I'd had before. Mm. So like really rich with egg yolks and good coffee and masala and I'm just I've literally never forgotten but it's a shame because I can't I don't know the name of the place because it was just a random let's go for a walk and see what we find so I don't think I'll ever have it again but I do remember it very very clearly well
0: maybe you can try to recreate it for us Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and then lastly what advice would you give to bakers out there who are at home and baking away and they're Maybe contemplating a jump into a field of baking professionally, but um, right now they're just keeping their hobby to Mm. themselves.
1: I would say, I think, I don't know, maybe something like starting up, I know blogs aren't for everyone, but I think they're such a good way of keeping track of what you're doing and being able to pro to um, see progress of what you're doing as well. I think sometimes when you're baking or you're cooking and it's very much just you doing it and it's very can be a bit isolating sometimes. Um, you forget how much you've improved on something and you forget that, oh, a year ago I couldn't frost a cake neatly and now I can. So a blog, even if it's not like public and it's just kind of you keeping track of it is a really good way to um yeah, see how much you've improved and see your growth in different areas. And I think that can, that can lead to you being more confident in your abilities and kind of more, more willing to, yeah, take the leap and go into it full time. I think a lot of what stops people is that self doubt and oh, I'm not good enough or there's a million people already doing it. But being able to, yeah, find your niche and know what you do, what's your style and see how it's different from others can be um, a good boost to, jump into it
0: so you did have a blog even before you appeared on the show carrot and crumb yeah yeah
1: just started it just for fun just like at uni I thought oh yeah let's just you know sign up and nothing's gonna you know it's just a way literally just a way to keep for me just to kind of see what I'm doing and write up a recipe so I have them all in one place because I was such a messy baker. <laughs> I didn't have anything, you know, organised. Sure. So it was just a way to kind to of keep preserve. yeah, keep it in one place. And yeah, I still blog today. It's um done really well. It was nominated for a Seville blog awards, which was so like uh, what? <laughs> oh, so that was um amazing. But yeah,
0: I really enjoy it. I mean, look at you now. So good thing you signed up for that blog. <laughs> oh yes, <blogger> <laughs> <account> <laughs> back in the day. Oh yes,
1: very very happy.
0: So what other projects can we look forward uh, to hearing about from you moving forward? Um,
1: yeah, so currently it is the book that's kind of the main focus, which is, yeah, really proud of it. Um, and yeah, more stuff with the sister table back in London and Luminary Bakery, doing more classes with them and teaching on the course. Um, and yeah, just being, just doing lots of foodie bits and yeah, ex- being creative
0: within within food. And more trips back to the US, I hope. Yes, I, yeah, I
1: need to come back because I've not even like made a dent in my list of where I want to eat. So I need to come back.
0: Sister Table, New York edition. Yes, sister Let's work Sister Table
1: travels abroad.
0: That yes. would be fantastic. Bring your puddings, we'll have <laughs> pies. <laughs> Bring your pudding. Pudding some pies. Pudding and, pies. <laughs> and where else can we find your work?
1: Um, so I'm on Instagram. That's my main, I suppose, visual, you know, platform. Um, and that's at baked by Benji and then my blog, carrot and crumb.
0: And you manage your own Instagram account. I do. Currently I do. Before yeah, you yeah. take off. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love Instagram. So yeah, okay. I enjoy it. It's good to be able to like chat with, with people who like your work and share ideas. Yeah. I really enjoy it.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for coming through. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Chowhound's Table Talk. Keep up with the latest on our site, chowhound.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social.